Hi, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Uh, you can learn more about the PNWA at pnwa.org. We've got a great conference coming up in uh, September, and it's going to be virtual still. That's our plan. And so, um, well, uh, if you want to sign up, sign up for now uh, because... The earlier you sign up, the earlier you sign up, the cheaper it is. Yes, it is. So pnwa.org. Yeah, speaking of conferences, I also will be teaching an all-day, everyone-has-what-it-takes workshop at the uh, Writer's Digest conference this summer. It was going to be in New York. Sadly, they, too, are going to be doing it virtually. Just couldn't pull it together in time. So, But, hey, that means you get to uh, wherever you are. You can Yes, you can. You can partake. So I'm looking forward to that. That's an all-day workshop. And speaking of everyone has what it takes, just two weeks away, baby. Two weeks away, exactly, as of this uh, airing. And that, my new book, Writers, Everyone Has What It Takes, A Writer's Guide to the End of Self-Doubt. Coming out, looking forward to it. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to share it. You can pre-order it now wherever fine books are sold. So, all right. So today's guest is the a debut author, uh, Lauren Chamberlain. Uh, Lauren was born and raised in Michigan. She studied journalism and French at Northwestern University and then moved to New York City where she worked for several years as a journalist, freelance writer, and content strategist. She currently lives in Toronto. And Friends from Home is her debut novel, as I said. It's wonderful. And she and I had a great conversation. I think in the conversation, I mentioned that this would be airing a week or so after her debut. Well, because of scheduling things, I was able to publish this on her date, her pub date. I was able to air this on her pub date. So this is it. Yes, it's happening right now. And this is my conversation with the charming and delightful Lauren Chamberlain. Enjoy. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, first of all, I should say congratulations. Uh, we're, ha- we're talking a week before your pub date. Yes. Uh, you can feel that, you know, I've got a book coming out June 1, so I can feel the, I can already feel the crest rising. Oh, wow. Just, congratulations. We're like almost, almost twins. That's there. right. That's right. But you're sitting on the edge of that wave waiting, waiting to break. How do you feel? This is your debut novel. Yeah. Uh, you've published things, but not a novel. So how do you feel? How does it feel right now? Oh my gosh. Well, it feels really exciting, of course. I mean, that's that's the obvious answer. This is something, if anyone who's written a novel, it is not a process of days or weeks or months, but of many years. And so to see all of that come to fruition is beyond exciting. It's a little nerve wracking too. You know, I, I've said, I have a lot of friends who are authors. They have told me that this first, you know, last pre-pub week rather can be very uh, 
yeah, just, just nerve wracking. And you're waiting to take something that's been yours and yours alone for years into the world. So it I it's not going to be yours that. anymore, Lauren. I know I'm handing exactly. You take something that's yours and you hand it out, you know, to the whole world. And that's, that's both um, thrilling and um, yeah, a little, little nerve wracking. I just, last week I got my box of books, you know, which is the, for the first stage of when you, when a new book comes out. So oh, how so did you feel when you got the, you, cause you must've gotten your box like two or three weeks ago. I did. Okay. So I felt amazing. And I actually have a great story about that, which is that um, I will, I will not reveal details of my neighborhood, but I will say that I am based in the Toronto area. Yep. And so my post, my postman brought in um, the box. I opened it actually right in front of him because I wasn't, I didn't even know the books were coming that day. Yeah, that's so I, how said, was, I didn't yeah. order something. I, I yeah. sliced it open. I start to cry. I, I don't uh. want to scare the postman. So I say, no, these are my books. This is, I wrote a novel. It's my first time really seeing it in print. Oh my gosh. And he goes, oh, that's so wonderful. And you know, I'm used to this. I deliver to um, another author in the neighborhood. And I'm I was like, oh, that's cool. He says, it's Margaret Atwood. He says, just ah! so you know, your neighbor's is Margaret Atwood. Holy moly. I know. <laughs> so go make a stalker yeah. of yourself. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to go. I'm standing outside with a coffee, just watching the comings and goings just, just to see. So it's funny. Being an author is strange. I once, I was interviewing, I did an interview with um, Henry Winkler was a uh, came through he had was when he was writing books so we did the I do video interviews too so that was a sit down yeah and I told my young sons at the time they were young about it they had no idea who Henry Winkler was you may not know who Henry Winkler is but he's an actor who was huge in the 70s when I was a boy I do know I'm yeah I'm familiar. Uh, I don't know I forget that you know these time passes and I told them <laughs> who he was and they said oh my god you're gonna be famous and I said look I said, no also Fame and authors is a very strange thing. It really, like Margaret Atwood's a big deal in the world of writing, but there's a lot of people in the world who have no idea who she is. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> no idea, you know, not like you've, it, you know, someone who has appeared on three sitcoms is going to have more name recognition than Margaret Atwood, strange. Yes, enough. absolutely. It's kind of the thing I love about, about being an author. I kind of think of it as if you're going to do creative work, it's in a little bit the best of both worlds of fame, yeah. if you will, because you know, yeah. you're going to have readers who recognize your work, but you're never going to have to really get recognized no, out there. You, will not. you know, I was thinking about, as you were describing the book coming out, is the, the book, uh, Friends from Home, fr Friends, Friends, plural, from Home, Friends from Home. Okay, so this is a novel about a female relationship, old friends, Mm -hmm. And it's about, you know, the, the catalyst for the story is a marriage, right? This yeah. one of the characters is getting married. And in the, in, 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 is the case for, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a certain number of young women, like that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Like getting married is something you sit and dream about yep. and dream about and dream about and dream about. For writers, the first book is sort of like, is thought of in many ways, like marriages to certain young girls. Would you say that's a fair analogy? I think it is, honestly. And you know what's so funny is that I am getting married this year. Um, ah, congratulations. Out. Thank you. But, you know, the, the, I mean, I am elated and excited for both and, and absolutely thrilled. But the thing is, is of those two days, the one that is that special day for me, it really is the book launch. Like that was the thing I dreamed about. Um, well, but sure. you know what? As someone who's very happily married and has been mm -hmm. for many years and who's published books, marriage is great. Mm -hmm. The wedding is like a, a party. It's a lifelong thing, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that's, I know. The work that's, has just begun. <laughs> absolutely. Know? I know. And now that's with a book. This is my, you know, I mean, writing another one, but this is the victory lap, right? That it's, is. And that, the, uh, yeah. the book is closer to a kid leaving for school in a yes. way. Yes. It's now exactly. going to go off. Out in the world. 
out in the world. Okay, so let's back up. So you, you, I know you, you lived in New York for a while. You, you went there yeah. after college, and um, yeah. so you studied French and journalism. So was this as, as a young French and journalism feels like someone who wants to be a novelist but is afraid to just dive into it completely and wants to be practical a little bit. I love uh, that you said that because that's absolutely true. Um, I Well, I mean, I have the absolute um, highest regard for journalism sure. and the work that journalists do, uh, especially after this year. Let me just say that. <laughs> a, lot of my, a lot of my close friends are um, Amen. Yeah, yeah. investigative reporters. I did have an interest in that and I did start in journalism. But the thing is, is that I knew I wanted to write novels um, as a career but how do you major in that? I thought I could major in English, but then I was worried I was going to have to go to grad school and ultimately right. become a professor. And I knew that for me was not the right, right. path. Right. So instead of going full you know, English and let's say grad school or MFA or you know, professorial track or anything like that, I thought, okay, journalism, you know, even if yeah. then I don't end up writing the novel, this is something that I, that I care about and that will make writing you know, a part of the uh, career that I do you know, immediately after undergrad. Yeah. So. And then I just love French. I, I minored in French literature and, you know, just, just for fun. And so, cause I will tell you, I, I, I had, I made the exact same calculation when I was going to college mm -hmm. and I took one journalism class and I was three classes into it. And I said, no way, oh, yeah. not happening for Billy boy. And so I took a very long and difficult path to where, I, what I do now. So, but oh. you were like, this is okay. Is that, mm -hmm. is that, was that a fair assessment? Like this is, I get to write. Uh, it's yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's okay. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, it was better than okay. Um, I, I interned, you know, right before I graduated from university, I, I interned at New York Magazine. I, in oh, many nice. ways, very much planned on working there. But um, you know, all all respect to my dearest friends that actually did stick it out. I mean, I I know what that job market is like, and so you know, coming out of school and. Yep. moving to New York and realizing, you know, financially and job stability wise, what I felt like I wanted to do. That's how I actually ended up going. Um, I started in journalism, but then eventually did, did move in, uh, in house into a tech company as more of a content writer and strategist. So right. to kind of blend and, the writing and the corporate. But you know, I, I would like, think in a way that's a better move because the thing about being a journalist is you kind of got to want to be a journalist. Like, Absolutely. you know, that's a, you know, and also by the way, it's a very different kind of writing than mm -hmm. creative writing. It is. Uh, I mean, there's a creativity it. to it, but it's, I, yeah. it is not the same thing. It is and, not the same thing, yeah. And so in a way, it's more like, I got, what I did was to make a living was wait tables for a while, right. for a while, for a long while. And the reason was I said, I do not want a career because I, I want to do this and yeah. I don't want to invest. I want something I don't invest in. Now, I don't know if that was the right thing, but that's what I did. And yes. so in a way, being a content, you can do that. I'm not saying it doesn't take effort, but it's not, I think it's, it seems diff very different to me it, than journalism. It was not the same muscle and I journalism, yeah. it really, it really does. It is so rigorous. I see, like I said, my, my friends who do it and who are the best at it. I mean, yes, it is a, it is a true passion. It is a true creative discipline. It is everything just in a different way um, than yeah. writing novels. But, but you also have to love the research. Mm -hmm. You have to, I just interviewed Anna Sale who, who hosts the podcast, Death, Sex and Money. And oh, she was a journalist yeah. at NPR for a long time. And she, you know, she, you know, she, the hard journalism, they're like that angle on it. She realized she was more interested in what they call soft, but like people, <laughs> why well, sure. people do, they, yeah. do what yeah. they do. And it was hard for her to make that transition. And so when you were a journalist, what part of it did you like? 
Oh, I love, well, and I think maybe you can see this in, in my writing and hopefully, especially future books. I like talking to people. So interview, ah, interviewing people is right. the best thing and to the end of getting to know them, right? So, yeah. so I wanted to create characters in my novel who almost felt like it, it could have been real people I sat down with. And that's almost even what the process felt like of creating them. It was like reading interviews, reading that, other books, no. fake interviews in my mind, you know, that kind of thing. That is the correct relationship to your fictional characters. They yes, should feel course. like they're, yeah. I was just reflecting on a man I interviewed who, uh, Michael Gruber, who's a uh, like a literary suspense kind of, he avoided mm -hmm. fiction writing for years because he saw the experience of going into a room alone mm. and having people talk to him in his head is so close to madness. Yes. Yeah, he really was afraid of it. It is, and, isn't it? Yeah. But you that but it should like you're not doing it right, quote yeah, unquote, unless absolutely. they're talking and you're kind of listening. Yeah, and that's true. So I mean that's not a great insight. Every writer, you know, of fiction knows that, but I think yep. that's the overlap between what I what I like about both. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's good. And so all right, and so but you so you professionally you did that, but you wanted to be a fiction writer. Mm -hmm. Were you writing fiction at that time? Were you writing poetry? What were you doing creatively while that was happening? Yes, always. Um, so I started. I told my I started writing, trying to write creatively when I was six or seven. I told my parents Whoa, very good. seriously that I was writing the Great American Novel. Um, how old were you? About ponies. I was seven. It was about. You called it the Great American. I so, did. How did you I even know that phrase existed at seven? From my parents who were an attorney and an English teacher. So, okay. oh my God. <laughs> oh, you were just, oh my, you were, because I will tell you, I could do this show. Yeah. And the only people I interview are lawyers turned writers. And Absolutely. I would have plenty of people to interview. Oh, there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so you had a, you had a smart, literate storytelling family. Okay. Yeah. So I had it from the beginning. I started right. trying to write creatively. I did most of a draft of a young adult novel while I was in college um, okay. and then okay. kind of scrapped that. And then quite frankly, I had the idea for Friends from Home in about 2014, the original seed of the wow. idea. Wow. So I was, was what? Wow. You know, so I was in my early twenties at that time and I started kind of playing with it then and then really wrote it over the course of like three or four years. Yeah. And so what so, I mean, so for our listeners, tell them the basic premise of it. You probably will do better than I. Sure. You know, well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> have you practiced this? I have, this I have down? a little bit, but this is okay. a good moment. So, um, you know, our protagonist, Jules, uh, grows up in a small town in the southern United States uh, with her childhood best friend, Michelle. But in the present day, the two of them live Miles and worlds, worlds apart, Jules in New York City and Michelle still back home in the small town in Alabama. And when Michelle announces that she is engaged to be married and asks Jules to be her maid of honor, uh, you know, she immediately says yes, but sort of over the course of planning this wedding, the intense differences that have grown between them over the years from passions to politics, everything, uh, come to a head and they have to decide if the relationship that they once shared is strong enough to reunite the the people they've become. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. That is good because I say this as someone who one of the things I have to do at writers conferences because I, I help sort of put one on for yeah. up here, one of the big ones. And I sit at a table at a pitch fest and everybody <laughs> goes around the table. I've never taken pitches, thank God. But oh. like ages in a, but they all do their pitch. Yeah. And that is a, that's like a great pitch, what you just gave Thank me. Thank you. I've had a lot of time. <laughs> well done. Well done. 
You know, uh, one thing I thought was interesting about this book, uh, because, you know, this is your debut. Mm-hmm. In writing years, you are a child. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Practically. Oh, they were all so old. Um, no, you're not. You're, you're a young woman, but, you're, but you often were much older. Um, uh, you did. And so, I, you know, obviously there has a biographical feel to it and that it's about someone sort of your age and, and living in, you're in Toronto now, but you had been in New York and then yeah. you were put her, you made jewels in publishing, but you know, there's a lot of overlap, Absolutely. but you put her in Alabama. Can I say that? It was in Alabama, yeah. Yeah. but I, but you did not live in Alabama, did you? I did not. No, now, never. Why, why did you do that and not Michigan? Exactly. Well, so I, I wanted the place when I was conceiving of the book, I knew it was going to be partially set in New York. I mean, yeah. I can say that felt right for the story. And I could also say I was lazy and that was my experience. <laughs> and I knew I knew wanted- oh, yeah. please, Lauren, I, I love t- there's tons of writers here in Seattle. Do you know yeah. how many books are set in Seattle by writers from Seattle? They're all doing it. So well, anyway, yes, no writers set books where they live. I mean, no surprise. Right. So I knew it was going to be New York. But when I understood that the crux of the story was these two women grappling with right. the people they had grown into when they had felt incredibly similar and kind of soul bonded as children, I knew that I needed two settings that strongly culturally contrasted against yeah, each yeah. other. Yeah. It's not as though Michigan and New York don't, but not in the well, same Where way. in Michigan did, were you raised? Um, East Lansing, Michigan State area. Uh, yeah, um, see if it's a college so town. This, As we've learned, town. Michigan... We've learned recently, those of us who've never been to Michigan, that well, Michigan has some interesting corners to it. Oh, it certainly does. <laughs> I did not understand. Podcast. I did um, not know. Okay, no. so where you grew up in Michigan, not the same. Not so, the, yes, and, but close. even otherwise, I think just the, um, you know, the, the history and cultural legacy of the Southern United States is an yep. interesting place. Sure. And it is one that over the past year, good and bad, we have seen contrast intensely yep. sharply with um, urban coastal areas. Um, nothing is ever so completely black and white, but yes, I wanted settings that in the reader's mind, um, you know, contrasted strongly against one another. And, and this was a small town and this wasn't even like Birmingham. This is a small town, Alabama. Yeah. And so now, and I will tell you, uh, as someone who hasn't been to Alabama, Mm -hmm. I am familiar with small town, small Southern towns because my family has family there. Sure. Yeah. same, Same here. Oh, you do? Because I, I did felt like, I, I felt a level of verisimilitude in your representation of the Thank people you. and the attitude. And also what I think would be difficult, it struck me, is capturing what childhood would have been like for yeah. a young, insecure girl moving from a different, and I and that's very particular because it was not like growing up in Rhode Island where I grew up, for instance. So, right. so did you base, what did you base that on? Just your imagination or was yeah, it- Yeah, the combination of imagination and research that I have no- parallel for right. um, Interesting. I yeah just imagination and and research I think I read some blogs like you know stories of people yeah but that's good town. though that's helpful yeah yeah things of that nature but otherwise no just just imagination and trying to figure well, out what that was like it's impressive it's impressive because it because it, it, I didn't you know when I when I read these things like I it was no surprise to me that you caught New York you know that's just you know obviously someone who's been there and there's a sense of it but you know, it's that you can make a, it's, there's, there's little details about reality that you don't know until you've been there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, yeah. it's the same way it makes it so hard for people to write books. Well, I found it hard writing books about the 1800s, for instance, when I used oh, to do that. Sure. It's like, oh God, there's so much I don't know. Yes. Like, what is it just to get up in the day? What does it smell like? What do you see, you know, in the day? I just don't know. I mean, yeah, that's a whole other level of research though. I mean, for me, it's honestly, I can talk to someone who grew up, you know, yes. in a smaller yeah. town in the South. That's fine. I talk to him. It's good. We know, we know what we're doing, but the, his, the research that goes into historical is Oof. intense. Oof. It's yeah. brutal. So you said you had the idea. I'm always interested in ideas, you know, they change. I like, so I write a lot of short essays, like little 400 word type things. Yeah. Um, and I've learned when I write them, like I'll get an idea and then I'll say to myself, you, all right, that's interesting. Let's go find out what you actually are going to write about, you know, and sometimes it matches what I, and then sometimes not at all. Right. Once I get in mm -hmm. there. And so what was the thing that lit up to you when you thought of this story? A lot of things. Um, I don't know if I, I can speak a little bit if you're interested about how I had the how I had the idea. Yeah, yeah. how did it, how what was the thing that started it? So because there was so there were two things. So the first is that I mentioned that I had been an intern at New York Magazine. Um, yeah, I was I was a fact checker at the time, <laughs> and uh, New York Magazine put out a story while I was there, a piece called 40 Women Share Their Abortion Stories." And, oh, okay. Yeah, and so I had been tasked as part of the team that was fact checking this piece, which involved calling these women on the phone and making sure that the details in their accounts that they had originally given were right. correct, et cetera. And that was, of course, a very um, emotional project and something that kind of made me nervous as a person that had- Sure, you're also pretty young at that point. I was you? very young and new in the world of fact-checking and you know, really wanted yeah. to get this right. Yeah. And it just shocked me the breadth of the experiences um, that I heard from I, I'm calling, expecting these people to, honestly to be really upset just because even if they felt it was the right decision that they were, you know, I mean, that, that it was a pivotal life moment. And it I is. got yep. everything from tears on the phone to talking like you're ordering from the, the takeout place, yeah. you know, yeah, so, and, and relief, anger, yep. I forgot about it, you know, literally everything. Right. And so that was the kernel of wanting to do something with that. Um, and, but that stayed in my brain for a little while. I thought, I thought how interesting that we never, how, how interesting that this is so common. You know, the stat I always share is regardless of your feelings on the topic, one in four women will have an abortion by age 45. So this is something that high. Wow. Yeah. Okay. In the U S this is something yeah. that happens a good deal, but yeah. it was never mentioned in movies or TV, or if it was, it was the crux of the, the story. The only thing that it right. might be right. about. Right. And so I kind of thought, hmm, I'd like to do something with that that handles it in a little bit of a different way, which might really resonate with a lot of women. Yeah. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was, you know, once I was out of college, and I guess this is probably what stood out to me most about the book to answer your original question, was I started to watch everyone around me begin to grapple with this question of which friends stay in your life, you know, post high yep. school, yep. post college. Yep. You're off on your own. Everyone is on separate timelines, whether that's getting married, moving across the country for a job, taking a sabbatical, losing a parent, you know, you're all on separate timelines, separate struggles, separate milestones. And so what really, what's the glue that makes a friendship from your yeah. youth or from your young adulthood hold together through yeah. those things? And, and I knew I was interested in that topic because it wasn't just me feeling it. I was listening to all of my friends at that age in their twenties, you know, talk about that from different perspectives. And so I knew I wanted to do that. And, and that's really what formed the heart of the book and what stood out to me as a real experience there. It's a really interesting question because, you know, when you're in high school, high school, A, you're so you're still forming so much, you know, mm -hmm. and like it or not, there's a question of fitting in. 
yeah. and wanting to feel a part of something somewhere. And the sort of calculations we make to be a part of something. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, when I, I teach writers about writing and one of the things you have to learn is to be authentic to yourself. And I think a lot of high schoolers are not, they don't even yeah. know how to be. And so, you know, can't, you know, if you were really yourself, would you still be friends with that? If you were just, you know, could you yeah. be friends and not try to be what you have to be to be friends? Yeah. Because I think that, you know, I knew I married my wife. I met her in high school actually, but- Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was, it was a, it's a long kind of romantic. You know, I met my husband in high school, a future husband uh, in high school really? also. And really? um, yeah, we went to the senior prom together, broke up for oh. like eight years and reunited in Europe when we were both living there. Long oh. story. Um, yeah. You see, I was apart from my now wife for seven years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at the same thing. But I knew when I met her, mm -hmm. although I couldn't put language to it, I kind of knew she was the one, yeah. but partly because I... I was able to be myself in a way that I realized I was not really being in many other circumstances right. with her. Yeah. And that was so important. But, you know, and I think, you know, we grow up and learning who you actually are is a big deal. And friends, sometimes they, you're able to bond over things, but not other things. And you got to, mm -hmm. growing up is so much about learning what you actually care about. Yeah. I mean, what you actually care about, if yeah. just left to your own devices. Right. And that's, I mean, a big part of the book, right? Is, yep. is yeah, you know, these people the really have such an affinity for one another and so many shared experiences, but their interests and the way they wish to construct their lives, the things they're into as adults are probably quite different. So, yeah. Cause you know, I think when I would, when I was dating before I got back together with my wife, you can love, I can be with someone and be close to them and just care about them because they're human mm -hmm. and they, their lives matter. Yes. But that doesn't mean, and just care that they are, are well, and I don't want them to struggle. Yeah. And I don't want, but it doesn't mean I want to be with them all the time. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and it's different than being interested. I would say with my wife, I was interested in the trajectory of her life. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to see what she would do next kind of, yes. you know, and that is different than just caring for that someone is happy in the moment. Yeah. Instance. Wow. That's a great way to put it. I love, I love that caring about the trajectory. Yeah. Of, yeah. That's, that's a great insight, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's absolutely, I wouldn't want to give anything away as, you know, listeners. Sure. Oh no, don't do that. Don't do that. Listen to the, or read the book, but um, there is a part at the end, the, the way I term that is um, everyday friendship. So some people yeah. are your everyday friends, you know, yeah. like how, did, how did that interview go? What are they going to be up to yeah. tomorrow in their new job, et cetera. Yeah. And then yeah. there are people who, exist in that space of you know when you see one another there is still a deep love yeah. and respect for one another and you see yep. each other at the friend or family reunion and but yeah. but it's not the same as as the everyday friendship i think friendship i think friendship and romantic love and creativity are so closely connected because all of, you know because to write creatively you got to say what does Lauren want to write? like what is Lauren she could write anything because the bookstore is huge right <laughs> think of all the right. kinds of books there are right well, and, and you just write, and just because you're writing fiction, there's millions of kinds of fiction. You really have to say, what is the story I want to tell in the way I want to tell it? And mm -hmm. the same way is, who do I want to be with? Who do I want to talk to? It requires, and writing, I feel like of all of them, and you sit alone, Yeah. you say, what do I actually care about when I, no one is there to impress or entertain? <laughs> what do I really care about? Did, did you like that? Did you like going in the room by yourself and the blank page? Um, well, you seem kind of extroverted likes, to me. Nobody likes the blank page. I feel ah, like the writer oh, likes come on. I know. Uh, no, no. The blankness is the enemy. You got to have a draft so that you can have a draft to edit. But do right. I like going in the room by myself? Yes, absolutely. Um, you do. 
Okay. I do. I do. Um, I, on the days, well, look on the days when it's good, it's so good. And that's why we do it. You're a writer too. You, you know, I think maybe the ebb and flow of, of the creativity and how much you feel like going to that place versus the days you don't want to do it, or it's not flowing as smoothly, but no, I did. I did. And do absolutely like, um, the opportunity to go there, I guess. <laughs> Here, I've come up with something because I write about creativity. So it's, you know, mm. I'm a little, <laughs> i become like a, an investigator into it, but I've come to this understanding and I, I'll offer this to you. You can think of it what you want. That yeah. what I now, what I value the most in the writing experience are the moments when it's not coming, mm. when I'm waiting for the next thing to come. I, I mean, I love it when it's coming. I love it, right? Yeah. But the moment it's not come, I feel like I'm sitting with something so profound that mm. I can't sense it except in the stillness that comes that you have to have sometimes while you're waiting. And yeah. as I got, but it took me a long, I'm going to tell you, Lauren, it took me a long time to get really comfortable with it and not yeah. start panicking as the clock, you know, okay, it's been 10 minutes, nothing coming. Why not? Now I love those moments, but it took me years to get comfortable enough to love it. But now wow. I love it almost more than when I'm actually typing. Well, that was, that was a really that? beautiful way. That's a beautiful way to put it. And I certainly, I, I hope that's coming. That's going to happen for me. <laughs> I never would. Uh, I mean, not to do this, but when I was your age and writing, I just wanted to be cooking all the freaking time. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's yeah. all I wanted. So now, anyway, this is where I've come now, but I, this is the nature of my journey. Okay. Well, you got to be happy. You got to be proud. You did it and you published <laughs> it. We didn't even get into that, but that's a thing in and of itself. Did yeah. you have contacts in New York or did you have nothing? Yeah. So a little bit. So, so the, but the one piece of advice that I give to any other writers, you know, when young writers ask me things nowadays is just meet people, meet other yeah. authors, go yeah. to book events, ask questions, get in a writing group, do a seminar. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether they're big names or people who aren't yet published, but like you need to know other authors and amongst the community, I can say, I'm sure someone out there has had a different experience everyone is always willing to reach a hand back. Like I've never met a, a community of more accepting inclusive people who want to show you how they did it, tell you the contacts they know. So like, just get in there, RSVP yeah. for the events, virtual or in person, take a class, get to know writers. And that's really the best way as opposed to trying to fly blind. So I did have, I didn't have, you know, specifically like a ton of publishing contacts, but I did have friends who were authors who I had met organically through these kinds of things or even just yep. through happenstance. And so I understood the, what one needed to do to kind of to yep. get a draft in shape to start querying or looking for an agent. And then what it was like pro likely to be the process of revising with an agent and what happened then when you went on submission and sold to publishers. So that was invaluable knowledge. And then I just had to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's really true. It's so helpful. And I did not do it at all. Like mm -hmm. I was in a bubble for years and that right. did make it harder. I think it's as soon as I started breaking out and letting myself actually meet other writers, it, it happened much quicker for me. Mm -hmm. And so that is really good advice. It's tough because a lot of writers are socially, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's not their favorite place all the time, right? <laughs> I think I know all the extroverted writers in the world because I'm thinking of every one of my author friends and there are a lot of them and I would define them as, as extroverted. Yeah. 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 But a no, lot of writers, I, I am, a, I'm that blend of like, ultimately I'm an introvert. I have to be alone to, to charge my battery, but I love yeah. doing this sort of stuff too. So I'm very right, comfortable right. doing that. But uh, most writers are pretty introverted. 
Mm-hmm. If you go to writers conference, it's a it's a collection of introverts being asked to pitch this. Oh, it's just true. Torture. I have been. Yeah, I have been to one. I, I think, you know, for people who are more introverted, though, that's what I, I'm going to say is so great, though, about the um, virtual events that are happening today. Yeah. You know, I know a lot yeah. of us are eager to get back to in-person signings. I mean, I know I am, but if you you just join the Zoom then, and if you're shy and nervous, like ask a question of the author yeah. in the yeah. chat or even like get in contact with the bookstore. Like there's a lot of ways to do this digitally and without like kind of, you know, being super out there as a social butterfly, I think. And so avail yourself of those. One thing I can say for certain authors, mm-hmm. unless they are like so swarmed with fans, like maybe yeah. Amy Tan or want to hear from you. They do, yes. We, we do, do not hear from you that often. <laughs> we are happy to hear from you. Let us know. Uh, yeah, we want to know. Um, all right, Lauren, I think you're going to do just fine. Uh, I'm very happy for you. I'm not quite done. Okay. Oh, if people, are you going to do a, a virtual launch? You must probably going to do it. Yes, yes, launch. I am. My virtual launch is being hosted by a bookstore out of New York, a story, a bookshop on okay. May 20th. Um, and the sign up information for that is online and in my Instagram profile and all that. And then I have two follow up events at Schuler Books and with Soho House the following week. So, Excellent. Okay. Yeah. And these, so these are all, and so do you have a, a website people can go to also? Do you have Lauren? Chamberlain.com or something, or do you? LaurenChamberlain.com is under construction. Lauren Chamberlain is really bad at building websites. Uh, okay, I shouldn't admit that as a person who worked at a tech company, but um, <laughs> I, I, my, my designer is working on it now. But my Instagram at Lauren JC, and that's spelled L-A-U-R-Y-N JC, yep. and my Twitter are the best places okay. for now to hear updates. And you know, this may air after the launch event on May 20th, but there are events on May 26th and May 27th. So those will be available on as well. Very good. Uh, All right. Well, Lauren, I got one more question for you. Okay. And what I want you to do is finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? To be the person you actually are. And I'll explain that. And basically it relates to what you were saying earlier in this conversation. And so I read recently um, the book by George Saunders, A Swim in the Pond in the Rain, which is basically a version of the, re- the, the course he gives to MFA writers in the program at Syracuse. And obviously like, George Saunders is a giant, um, you know, made the greatest, possibly the greatest living, you know, short story writer, I would say so, you know, a novelist, an acclaimed person and professor. And he said that for years, his writing was terrible because he wanted to be Hemingway. And somehow reading that in the, while I was also, you know, writing and working on a second book, I thought, gosh, if George Saunders, the guy I would most want to be, wants to be Hemingway, then like, what are we all even doing here? There's so much uniqueness in you and in us. And so one, for the point that you said, I think I learned through, through writing this novel that like, if your books are like your friends or your relationships, you have to be who you really are and write about what you really care about to get yourself to the place that you're going to need to be, um, to deliver something that actually that actually works. And the second thing is like, as a writer, you just need to be who you are. You'll be forcing it otherwise. So, yeah. I agree 100%, 100%. Couldn't have said it any better. Listen, congratulations. Congratulations on the book, on the Thank wedding. You. Thank you. All the good stuff. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was, this is great fun. Boy, she is right. She is right. That's it. Teaches you how to be yourself. It's true. It is true, people. Who else are you going to be? Who else? Nobody. 
Uh, well, listen, that was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun talking to Lauren. Look forward to doing it again next week. I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries. You're awesome. And then to all you people out there, go find something you love to do and do it. <laughs>